0: Six minutes after six a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nachum Siegel. Welcome to a Tuesday. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning radio Let's program. Go.
1: i
2: game a good old-fashioned the <laughs> On the other
3: hand, on the other hand, I must say that lately, you know, I put on Lacham Siegel's radio station and I hear sounds like
2: <laughs> I don't
4: know what that is. Maybe that's Pump It Up. I don't know.
1: You <laughs> know, listen, we have to bring for the people music, that makes them happy. You know, the only header of having CDs, not being having, and only,
5: of having CDs
1: is because people are sad and you need to lift them up and make them happy. So what should I do that I'm not getting exactly lift up and happy by this old 15-minute Greek Shemay of Chaz, the Rosenblashez. Or by this goes on the Shabbat of the pinnacle. Not pinnacle, pinching. Or that uh, Kosavetsky, the The kids I'm not into that. i meant to give people happiness and Labor Day. What, what do you think? I don't get a mood of an old song sometimes? You think I don't know any old songs? Oh, I got a geschmack alter fatatische song. And you'll see how the crowd goes for this song. You'll see that Friedrich and know how to put down a geschmack alter song. What do you think? Waiting with bated breath.
5: Think, think so. Come
1: on in. If I was the rich man, double, 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 double. For this. now now that's an oldie and I want to tell you something I like to sing Haimusha songs but I like to give a little taste because the main thing is you got to make people happy don't you think of Remo?
3: you know let me tell you what I think Victor. after hearing that it only reminded me
4: again and again and again I believe strongly unequivocally unyieldingly Unwavingly, what? Uh, unabashedly, that no matter what Lipa,
1: we have to stick to tradition, tradition. For-
5: Tradition, tradition,
1: Yes, but believe me, it's with God's permission to put a little transition, give me some recognition. You have to understand, you have to... If I, you I, do I? Am I not traditional looking? What's with you? I'm the most traditional looking guy with all the rubbish packages all day. But you need to put a little spice to make people happy. For the youth, for the kindlers, and you know, everything today you do for the kindlers. <laughs> My kid, he's asking me for a cup of water one day. I said, you need to sleep. Cup of water. Five minutes later, tatty, a cup of water. You need to sleep. Brought him a cup of water, you know, Medafnuch no gave him heart. Five minutes later, Tati, bring me a cup of water now. I said, one more time, you to him a cup of water, i come and i smack you. I don't usually do this, but you know. So, after 10 minutes he says, Tati. I'm sure he raised his hands. <laughs> he says, Tati, on the way up to smack me, bring me a picture of cold water. He said, <laughs> so today, you do everything for the kids, and you need to make them happy. I want to meet that little boy. Is I have no But I gotta tell you one thing that so I feel you need to make people happy, especially in such a tough time when Panosa is so tough and we're in a time of recession 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 No more Depression Depression How do you get away from this old depression? With music. You make them happy. 23 years you are doing this my friend (laughs) together with half we gotta make everybody happy but one thing, we need to go to chasanas and we need to make people happy, so we make our wives happy. And if our wives are happy, they go in the grocery and they laugh, so the grocery man is happy. So then the delivery boy is happy, so then they go to other houses and they become happy. The children become happy, they go to the chayda and they're happy. The whole chayda becomes happy, and then the chayda goes to the sister, the sister goes to the school, they become happy. And the whole world is happy, only because we're making people happy. So that's why I'm always with Pavel, it should be more simchas, And I'm out a- Matchmaker, I Matchmaker, matchmaker, make- Don't tell me that you don't love to go to Chassan. What? You also have some geschmack in
3: high again and like I just thank for Are you kidding? I think I have the most famous Shiddach song in the whole world with it. Yeah, I have the most famous of song. I think the crowd's going to know it as soon as I sing the first note of the song.
4: Ready? Give it away! Hey, give me you <laughs>
1: I tell you one thing: we try to make people simcha at night and my day. Sunrise, sunset, sunrise, sunset. We sing wherever. this rhythm that rhythm this way or that way I love music this
3: way that way by the way Lipa, I must say Lifa's is doing a very good job bringing happiness to Claudius Royal that's for sure <laughs> Life.
1: Yeah.
0: That is an amazing piece off of the Time for Music 23 uh, double CD. That is a great piece. Avramo and, um, Lipa together here at JM in the AM. Before that, Benny Friedman's MS. You heard the Chevra with Keith Spinani. The Maccabees had Brave. That is, uh, track nine off their brand new CD, One Day More. Yaakov Shweki. Oh, and by the way, rumor has it that the Maccabees may be stopping by this coming Thursday here at JM in the AM. How amazing would that be, huh? Uh, Yaakov Shweki, Ach Sameach, you heard Shlomo Katz with Nigun Mitzpan from Regesh. Modani opening things up, and we say good morning. It's Tuesday on this April the 29th, day 29 in the month of Nissan. the year 5774. <coughs> Today is day 14 in the counting of the Omer. Today is day 14. If you forgot to count last night, make sure to do so sometime today. It's Erev Rosh Kodesh ER. Rosh Chodesh will begin tonight. Rosh chodesh ER will be two days, Wednesday and Thursday. We'll spend the first day of Rosh Kodesh ER down in Washington, D.C. as we get set for the Norpak 1000 celebration. By the way, If you are among those who are traveling down to Washington tomorrow, and we're talking about 1,000 people, or if you're somebody who has a comment regarding our show as it's going on tomorrow morning, because we do plan on having some great distinguished guests with us in Washington tomorrow morning, use the hashtag NORPAC1000, N-O-R-P-A-C 1000. Use that hashtag, and uh, we'll know... When we search for it, that um, you're referring to the uh, amazing event going on in Washington tomorrow. So that's tomorrow morning right here at JMA. Make sure to be tuned in. By the way, I just uh, posted this on Facebook and Twitter. Sen- Senator Rand Paul has proposed a stoppage of aid to the PA uh, in light of uh, recent developments in the Middle East. We discussed it Friday how the Fatah PA leaders have now formed a bond, a merger, an agreement with Hamas. Senator Paul has um, proposed that aid to the PA stop until they recognize Israel and take other actions. Senator Rand Paul is uh, scheduled for 7.10 Eastern Time this morning at J.M. and the A.M., we hope to speak with him a half hour from now and get his latest statement regarding this proposal right here on the air at JM and the AM. Shalom Task Force joins us later on. We'll uh, explore the Sharsheret event that's happening this weekend. There's a lot happening in our community. We'll get to as much as possible this morning right here at JM and the AM. Erev Rosh with 50 degrees. They're talking about afternoon showers and a high temperature of 52. Rain for tonight, low 45. And tomorrow, some rain as well with a high... Only 50 degrees. Right now, 81 in Lion. We're at 50 in Jersey City as we say good morning. It's JM and the AM, and this is Soul Farm. Uh uh-huh. This one's off the Maccabees CD as opposed to the one that's on the Chalcheles CD. Beautiful song, Laman. Before that, Muftah done by David Stein. Shlaimi Daska with Baba's Nigun. You heard the Rabbi's sons in Shomer Yisrael. Soul Farm had Sameach off of their very best of Kalbach, Chabad, and Breslov. Tuesday morning on this day 14 the Counting of the Omer. It's Erever Shodesh E.R. and this is America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard and listeners sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope, Rockland County at 91.9 on the FM dial. Na, 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 na. Around the world on the web, jmandtheam.org. Galat all in the background, news from Israel coming up. Senator Rand Paul expected 10 minutes from now on JM and the AM. He has proposed cutting off aid to uh, the PA. We will uh, discuss that with him coming up in this hour. Shalom Task Force will join us later. We'll also check out the uh, latest information regarding Shar Sharsheret and their big event this weekend. Reminder, tomorrow it's NORPAC 1000. We are in Washington, D.C. tomorrow morning, getting ready for 1,000 people from the New York, New Jersey area to come down to Washington and lobby on behalf of issues important to the United States and Israel. That's all happening tomorrow in Washington, D.C. We'll be there at J.M. in the A.M. between 6 and 9 a.m. with distinguished guests. And a big celebration of NORPAC 1000. If you're in tomorrow's group, make sure to hashtag everything you do, NORPAC 1000, N-O-R-P-A-C 1000. Use that hashtag so we can keep track of everybody who's heading down and has comments to make about the amazing day in Washington. Galitzal Israel Army Radio, 2 p.m. newscast, next at (laughs) JMNN.
3: ראש ממשל לטורקיה ארדואן אומר שהושגה על פיוס ופיצוי למשפחות הרוגי המרמרה, כתבתנו נעמה ארדשיק.
4: בריאיון לעיתונאי האמריקני צ'רלי רוז אמר ארדואן כי הוא מודל אינסי ארצות הברית אובמה על הטיווך בין אנקרה לירושלים ואוסיף, הגענו להסכמה בנושא הפיצויים וישנם מגעים בנושא הסיוע ההומניטרי לעזה. הצעד
3: על פי הדיווח בסוכנות הידיעות בלומברג, ראש הממשלה הטורקי צופה כי התהליך צפוי להיגמר בשבועות הקרובים. ועזה טוענים שצל חיבל בספינה של פעילי זכויות אדם, כתבנו ג'קי חוגי.
2: פיצוץ נשמע בנמל עזה כמה דקות אחרי שלוש לפנות בוקר. יחתה בבעלות דייגים מהרצועה שהייתה אמורה לצאת בקרוב לאירופה ולחזור עם עוצרי צריכה לשבור את הסגר נפגעה ושקעה. מטען לתחתית היחתה, את המסע יזם הארגון תיבת עזה וברצועה אומרים, הפיצוץ הוא עבודה ישראלית.
3: משפט הולילנדה, השופט דוד רוזן אומר, השוחד שאולמרט קיבל הוא סכום עתק. בבית המשפט כתבתנו תמר ירושלמי.
2: עורך דינו של אולמרט, אלי זוהר, ביקש שהשופט יגזור עליו עונש ברף אנישה תחתון ומטה, וטען כי של הפרקליטות לאנישה מחמירה אינה מידתית. הוא אמר, הטענות של שול הזקן השחירו את דמותו וגרמו לפגיעה ממשית בהליך המשפטי. מאוחר יותר אמר השופט רוזן, שוחד של 500 שקלים אינו עניין של מה בכך זהו סכום אתק שאי אפשר להתעלם ממנו
3: ישראל משקיע בהורים צעירים פחות משאר המדינות המפותחות כתבתנו יונה ליבזון
2: על פי נתוני בנק
1: ישראל הסיוע למשפחות הצעירות ששני בני הזוג עובדים נמוך משמעותית משאר המדינות המפותחות בתחום הקצבאות, הסובסידיות וגם עטבות המס הדבר בולט משמעותית כשמדובר במשפחות שהכנסתה נמוכה בישראל העטבות בגין ילדים ממוקדות באימהות אך כמחציתן אינן מגיעות לרף המס
3: שימו לב, מתייקר החל ממחר בחצות יזנק מחירות של ליטר בנזין בשבע אגורות ויעמוד על שבעה שקלים כתבנו עולדר גלרן מוסר, שהעלייה נובעת מהתייקות במחירי הדלקים בעולם. כמה עשרות מעובדי מקור ראשון הפגינו בצהועה אימון של על בדרשה שיאשרת עסקת מחירת העיתון לשלדון אדלסון, בעלי ישראל היום. כתבנו יאיר שרקיס, סוחח. כתבת מקור ראשון, איפאת ארליך.
1: המצב הוא שהקופה ריקה כרגע מכסף, וזה אומר שביום חמישי כולנו הולכים הביתה, סוגרים איתון איכותי, בקיד שביכל מין תאמים מוזרים בחל מתאסף בחופש שביתו שזה לא הניון
6: שלו.
3: התחזית הירידת על הוספת באתמperatureות, אלי אחד משותש אורח חדר שיער.
0: J.M. in the AM, Nigun Chabad done by Shlomo and Ami Cohen. Before that, David Gabe with uh, Borei Olam here at J.M. in the AM. Well, I'm sure many of you have heard already that uh, Senator Rand Paul of Kentucky has uh, introduced his intention to introduce a bill this week calling for an end of United States aid to the PA until it recognizes Israel's right to exist uh, Israel, according to the Republican senator, cannot be expected to negotiate with an entity that does not believe it should exist and that has used terrorist tactics to seek its end. That was a statement made yesterday. Uh, this is a um, Monday morning broadcast, and we're joined by Senator Rand Paul, who will tell us more about this proposal that he has. Uh, Nahum Siegel here in New Jersey. Senator, a pleasure to welcome you back to JM in the AM.
7: Good morning, Malcolm.
0: Thanks for having me. Uh, so this was interesting. Uh, I would I would guess, and uh, actually you stated it, that this was uh, in reaction to the uh, Fatah, or PA, merger agreement, um, uh, the big announcement that came last week in terms of their new relationship and peace with Hamas. Did you feel that this was a game-changer, that at this point they were associating with Hamas, enough is enough and the aid to the PA must stop?
7: Well, you know, when I was in Israel about a year ago, I asked everybody that I met, I was trying to learn about the situation. I asked uh, Prime Minister Netanyahu, I asked King Hussein, and then I asked uh, Abbas when I went to the West Bank, I said, can there be a separate peace with Gaza and a separate peace with the West Bank and with Fatah? And everybody said, oh, no, there ends up having to be one peace, and my second question was, "Well," how can there be peace then? Because who's going to negotiate with Hamas while they're still committing violence and don't recognize Israel? And uh, nobody seemed to have an answer for that, and lo and behold, that's kind of where we are now. With Fatah and with Hamas coming together as a, a unified government, uh, how can there really be progress or debate go forward if Hamas is not willing to give up violence and if Hamas is not really willing to recognize Israel? So I just Said what I think is the obvious we should not have taxpayer money going to any entity that doesn't recognize Israel, and that maybe by using that as leverage, we promote uh, the new entity, whatever it's going to be called the Palestinian Authority and the um, Hamas entity. We promote by uh, dangling the uh, or trying to retract or withdraw the carrot that maybe it makes them uh, think. Uh, Think about uh, coming to recognize Israel.
0: Senator Rand Paul with us live via telephone. Senator, what do you think the prospects are for support for your proposal or bill in the Senate?
7: Well, you know, that'll be interesting because uh, many people profess to be friends of Israel here, but they also profess to be friends of, of sending taxpayer money around the world no matter who it's to. And I've kind of been surprised sometimes, because I've tried to limit uh, foreign aid to the Muslim Brotherhood before. I'm not so excited about sending it to the Egyptian generals right now, who are uh, imprisoning people by the hundreds. And yet, uh, we've had many supporters who say they are supporters of Israel, who still support sending foreign aid to people who I consider to be enemies of Israel. And so uh, it'll be interesting, because this, this is an example where we're directly talking about not sending it someone who is, at the very least, an adversary, and depending on how you define it, it may well be an enemy, and, um, you know, it'll be interesting to see it, see how people will come down on this, because, unfortunately, most of Congress has supported foreign aid, no matter who it goes to, has supported it to uh, criminal governments throughout Africa, throughout the world, and uh, we'll, we'll see what happens here, but I think this is, at the very least, if we're going to do foreign aid, it ought to be leveraged.
0: Are you anticipating a reaction to your proposal from the White House?
7: You know, we'll see. And uh, we're going to push it. And, uh, you know, I think this is going to be something that we may well generate a great deal of support. I talked to uh, people on the Republican side yesterday in the Senate, and I'll continue to push it today. We'll uh, begin seeking co-sponsors this week, and we'll see if we can develop enough momentum that it uh, forces the White House to make a comment or react.
0: Tomorrow we're uh, celebrating NORPAC 1000. We're actually going to be broadcasting from Washington, D.C. as many people from this area uh, go to lobby in the halls of Congress. I guess you uh, you would ask people to add to their list of things to discuss with their officials in Washington this very proposal about considering no aid to the PA under the current circumstance.
7: Yeah, it's your money. And so your money is being sent to the Palestinian Authority and has been for quite a while. At, uh I believe, several hundred million dollars a year. And uh, really, I think uh, if, if people are concerned about this issue, they should ask, one, why are we doing it in the first place? But two, if we're going to do it, why would we not demand that they uh, recognize Israel's right to exist? And really, I think that's not the end of negotiations. That's the beginning of the negotiation. Some people say, oh, well, we have to uh, negotiate to get that. Well, I don't think you can begin negotiations unless you uh, uh, recognize the validity of of the party to negotiate, which means that, to me, the beginning of any kind of peace process is recognizing Israel's right to exist. That's not sort of a final result, but the beginning.
0: Senator Rand Paul is with us. Senator, you've been meeting with groups of Jewish leaders in different states of the U.S., and I know it's much appreciated, by the way, you've been uh, reaching out like... uh, uh, the, the, wonderfully to, to the community around the entire uh, country. Uh, I, I am sure that issues like Iran, uh, other foreign policy issues that you watch closely, including the relationship of Israel with the PA, are all among the things that people discuss with you from our community. Are there any others that sometimes either surprise you or that dominate the conversation when you meet with people from our leadership?
7: Um, you know, I learn a little bit every time I do have a meeting, and uh, I tell people that I'm, I'm always interested to have the, the meetings because, you know, I grew up in a small town in Texas, and my exposure to anyone who was Jewish was very limited. I mean, one, we had one family who was a friend of ours, and so it's, in some ways it's uh, uh, something that I still uh, am interested in and like to learn a lot about and meeting people who have a much uh, different background than than what I grew up in in the South. But, uh, no, I think uh, occasionally we get into, just like everybody else, discussion of uh, business as well as world affairs. And so I think most of the uh, Orthodox leaders that I've met as I've gone around the country have been uh, people who are also concerned about how does America thrive as a country, what do we do as far as policy to create more jobs. So uh, a lot of the concerns are the same that all Americans have, uh, but also some emphasis on, on foreign affairs as well.
0: Senator, I, uh, I thank you. I hope that in the next few days, and I'm sure you hope as well, the uh, proposal that you have out there to stop USAID to the PA at this point uh, will gain a lot of momentum and that it will really start attracting a tremendous amount of attention. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. Will do. Thank you for having me. J.M. and the A.M. Senator Rand Paul, for those of you who haven't heard, he has uh, proposed and is going to uh, actively... A fight this week for a bill that would um, halt USA to the PA in light of this new agreement, this new entity, this new relationship between Fatah, parenthetically the PA, and Hamas that was made uh, public and was celebrated uh, by uh, Palestinian leaders uh, last week. I thank Senator Rand Paul. Here at JM in the AM. Tuesday morning on this Era of Rosh Chodesh. Plenty more coming up. Keep it here at 91.1 FM. 90.1 FM in the Catskills. Rockland County at 91.9 on the FM dial. And around the world on the web, jmintheam.org. the am coming up at nine o'clock this morning right after jam the am on our stream at jam the uh, ou jewish reaction show and then at 10 o'clock rabbi jeffrey sachs is my guest on the um uh, by the book program and if you want to hear a regular average guy Speak to an absolute expert about Shy Agnon. Here's your chance. Or by Jeffrey Sachs, is editor of the Koren uh, Toby Press Shy Agnon series, and the Nobel laureate from 1966 is a an absolute worldwide sensation in the world of literature. And I discuss Agnon with him. <laughs> I'll tell you. It's not much of a discussion. He he provides 90% of the material. Uh, but I thought it was a fascinating conversation. That's coming up between 10 and 11 this morning in our stream here at jmantheam.org. If you haven't voted yet for this week's uh, Top 9 at 9, it gets counted down tonight. Go to the 9 at 9 link at the very top at alchomsegal.com, and you could vote for your favorite selection in the 9 at 9. That airs uh, tonight starting at 9 p.m. Don't forget, tomorrow morning it's NORPAC 1000. If you're part of the group that's leaving the New York, New Jersey area early tomorrow morning to go to Washington, make sure to hashtag everything you do tomorrow, NORPAC 1,000, N-O-R-P-A-C, 1,000. And we look forward to being in Washington, D.C. tomorrow morning with distinguished guests on this program. It should be a a very, very interesting show as NORPAC brings 1,000 strong down to Washington and we'll be there to broadcast tomorrow morning between 6 and 9 right here at JM in the AM. My thanks to Senator Rand Paul, who joined us about 20 minutes ago on the topic of halting aid to the PA based on the new PA-Fatah-Hamas agreement um, or merger or uh, unity, whatever you want to call it. Uh, So I thank Senator Rand Paul for joining us. If you missed any of it, there's an archive section you can check out later on. At jma.org. Rabbi David Goldwasser is with us. His words: Masarav Zev. Ben Rabbi Halevi. Here is Rabbi David Goldwasser. With morning chizuk. Good morning.
8: We're going to be continuing with our series on Sfira SaOmer. We read in Kriyat "If you will continually listen to my mitzvahs, to love Hashem with all your heart and all your soul." And then we read, "Hishamru lochem." You should beware, "Penyifta levavchem," lest your heart will turn away and serve other gods. First, we read about serving Hashem on the loftiest level. And then, the Torah suggests the possibility that one may, God forbid, serve other gods. There seems to be no middle ground or half-hearted service of Hashem. We can clarify this through a statement in the Talmud Yerushalmi that Klal Yisrael are forgiven for their sins of idol worship, immorality, and bloodshed. But Hashem does not forgive the sin of abandonment of Torah learning. This is difficult for us to understand. Why would the transgression of the three cardinal sins be pardonable, but not the lapse of Torah learning? The altar of Kalm explains that one who serves Avadazara commits murder or is immoral, has rejected his human qualities, and therefore he is comparable to an animal. Therefore, his culpability is not for these sins. Rather, he's held responsible for the initial offense which resulted in his ultimate downfall. And therefore, that particular offense is Betel Torah. Man's responsibility is to be always aware that his abandonment of Torah can and will only lead to his descent to the depths of depravity. Likewise, on Yom Kippur at Mincha time, as we reach a peak in our spiritual standing, we read the of immorality. This serves to call to our attention the importance of maintaining an exalted spiritual status lest we plunge to the lowest levels of immorality. There's no middle ground, either kedusha, holiness, or tumah. We see that our definitive connection with Hashem is directly through Torah. The Zohar explains that the word Sphira is from the of Sapir, Sapphire. During the days of Sfirah Omer our mission is to purify and refine our souls, to polish our character so that its true brilliance will shine forth. For that reason, it's appropriate to increase our Torah learning during this period of time. The great Gon Rebbe Chonin Wasserman was Rosh Yeshiva and the Yeshiva of Baranovich, he not only disseminated Torah to the masses but was also responsible for the financial situation of the yeshiva. When the yeshiva would run out of money, Rebbe Chanan would personally travel great distances in order to raise funds. His first stop, however, when he would reach a destination was always immediately to go to the base medrash to learn for a while. Rebbe Chanan once had to travel to England the journey that was required was an arduous one. He traveled by train, by horse and wagon, and also by foot. Soon after his arrival at the home of his host, a, almana, a widow requested an audience with the Rosh Yeshiva. She gave him a large sum of money for the Yeshiva and was elated to receive Rebbe abundant blessings and profuse thanks. As soon as the woman left, however, Rebbe Hanun, was ready to return to Baranovich. Although the people of the city tried to dissuade him from leaving, they begged him to stay a few days and raise additional funds. Rebbe was adamant. Despite the fact that he just arrived after such a long and arduous journey, he explained that he had been forced to leave the yeshiva, resulting in a measure of Bittu Torah, because the yeshiva could not carry on without additional funds. But now that he had received an infusion of money, he could not remain for another moment. My purpose is not to collect money for the future, he told the people. My purpose is to be Marbit's Torah. The very same day that he arrived in Manchester, he left to return to Baranovitch. This has been Rabbi David Goldwasser, bringing you Morning physic. Have a nice day. Jam
0: in the Am, 737, 23 minutes before 8 o'clock on this Tuesday, day 14 in the counting of the Omer. Day 14 in the counting of the Omer. If you forgot to count last night, make sure to do so sometime today, day 14. Also, yesterday was Yom HaShoah. If you missed any of our inspirational program, there's an archive section you can check out later on, jamtheam.org. And a reminder this coming Monday. Is a Yom Hazikaron this coming Tuesday, a week from today? Is Yom Hazmoed? You know that we are going to be commemorating and celebrating each one appropriately here at JM and the AM. So make sure to be tuned in. The Yom Hazmoed special in particular is a great, great uh, moment of celebration for us. So make sure to be tuned in next week for all of our amazing programming this time of year. Uh Shar has their twelfth anniversary benefit coming up this Sunday morning at ten thirty in the morning at the Teaneck Marriott at Glen Point in Teaneck, New Jersey, and Rocky Schoritz, who has joined us many times in the last many years. She's the founder of Shar Sherritt and she is with us live via telephone here at JM in the AM. Uh Rachi a pleasure to welcome you back to JM in the AM.
9: Well, thank you. Thank you for having me.
0: Your event always seems like a a blockbuster event, attracting people from far and wide, folks who really want to support your efforts. What is it about Sharsheret that has made such an incredible impression in our community over the last many years?
9: I, I think it's the need, actually. I mean, it's obviously a growing need for support and information for women, both who've been diagnosed with breast cancer and for women at risk. And I think when 600 women and men get together and recognize that our Jewish community is so seriously affected by cancer, it becomes almost a a self-fulfilling prophecy. People just keep coming back, they get involved, um, and they come again the next year. I think we're looking at 600 this year, which is an incredible turnout.
0: Is the support... Uh, I'm not talking about financial support. I'm talking about the support that your organization gives women in this, uh, in the type of situation you just described. Is the support similar to when you started? Is it mostly that people need advice? They need someone to hold their hand. They need someone who's familiar with everything that's going to happen to familiarize the new patients with what's going to happen.
9: Um, you know, I would say it's that plus at 12 years. We're celebrating our bat mitzvah this year, which is very exciting. Um, and now, Sher sure, sure, it offers a platform of programs that not only address the needs of women who are diagnosed, which is how we started, but also women who might fear that their family has a history of breast cancer, women who are post-treatment and surviving breast cancer. Um, So there's a a, a real series of programs that take the family from at-risk, through treatment, through survivorship, and beyond. Um, So it's pretty sophisticated now.
0: Is there an easy way to find out if someone is in an at-risk line of genetics?
9: Uh, You know, it it is easy in the sense that it starts with a conversation, either a conversation with your own family or a conversation with a genetic counselor. I think we sometimes um, get in our own way when we start worrying about genetic testing, um, and we forget that there's a whole series of conversations that is part of genetic counseling. And so we always tell families, know your family history, start with a basic conversation at home about who has been affected by cancer, and not just breast cancer, but ovarian cancer, um, other women's cancers, prostate cancer, colon cancer. All of that information is actually useful in helping us understand whether someone is at risk for what we call a BRCA mutation, BRCA mutation, that could trigger an increased risk of breast or ovarian cancer.
0: Rahi Shoritz is founder of Sharsheret this coming Sunday. 1030 in the morning in teaneck you're all invited for the 12th anniversary bat mitzvah benefit of the shar organization did a majority of people now contact your organization through the website or other uh you know advanced technological means as opposed to using the good old telephone
9: we instituted live chat technology uh within the last year so that people who don't feel comfortable Talking on the phone, who may feel weak, who might feel scared, uh, can actually reach out to us via live chat. And it's anonymous, and uh, for some, much more comfortable. They're able to access it at night after business hours. Um, and that's been very successful. So, live chat technology, email, telephone, obviously, our website. Um, yeah, they're reaching out in all kinds of ways. We get about 350 to 400 phone calls a month from women and families affected by cancer nationwide.
0: Wow, and that live chat is available on your homepage.
9: Yeah, you'll see the
0: little operator. She's sitting right there. You go to org If you have any trouble finding it, just search Sharsheret. It's all over the place, and the latest news of what they've been able to accomplish is always available on the web. Have you chosen distinguished community leaders for uh, uh, to be honored this coming Sunday?
9: Always, always. We're very blessed. We have incredible volunteers, and this year we're recognizing Blair Musk from New York City, who's been an active Sharsheret volunteer and is celebrating her 10th anniversary cancer-free. Wow. Um, She's accepting the award in memory of her mom, um, who passed away at a very young age. So it will be a very meaningful presentation uh, to her. And Bhatia Paul, who's been a local volunteer here in Teaneck for many years and um, who's been very much involved not only in our benefit, but in helping us spread the word about Sharsheret. So, yeah, people are very excited to come and hear their stories and what got them involved, and it's
0: looking to be a beautiful day. Uh, Our next donation to Sharsheret is going to be dedicated to the memory of our friend Phyllis Siegel, who unfortunately during Pesach passed away uh, at a young age, and uh, many people uh, uh, in our community uh, know Phyllis and Dr. Steve. I've spoken about him uh, many times in this program, and our condolences to this, not related, but our condolences to the Siegel family. In Queens, and as I said, Ruchi, uh, the next time you get a donation from us, it'll be in her memory. And um, uh, they, uh, I have to be careful because I don't know what what information would be proper to share on the air. All, all I'll say is that um, uh, doctors were not very optimistic about the length of time that she'd be able to live with what she had, and she uh, she outlived that by about 250 percent. So uh, wow. she had quite a battle, and uh, she'll certainly be missed. And we remember her this morning as we remind everybody that Sherrod has their 12th anniversary benefit this coming Sunday, May 4th at 10.30 in the morning in Teaneck, New Jersey. Best way to make a reservation is through the website? Uh, either
9: through the website or you can call us at 866-474-2774. Our staff is standing by to take your reservations and give you a seat that makes you happy. <laughs> we always aim to please. <laughs>
0: I mean, you've been through some serious life situations t- still where people sit is a big issue huh <laughs> not for
9: me but for the rest of
0: the staff yeah <laughs> understood and speaking i'll be honest i'm not going to be putting you at
9: a table but someone else
0: will <laughs> and speaking of you uh we wish Mazaltov to you because in july bezrat Hashem you're going to be getting married to so Mazaltov on your engagement
9: Thank you very very much. And very I think
0: excited. I think that's a significant piece of news, not only for you and your chassid and everybody who's celebrating. It's a significant piece of news that people who are in difficult health situations, as you've been in and out over the years, uh, see that someone like yourself is able to uh, to, to to keep going and to uh, achieve uh, you know important milestones in your life.
9: Yeah, I think it's also a statement about where we are as a community in terms of dating. Uh, with a serious illness. You know, there are a lot of stigma issues in our community surrounding illness and shidduchim, and I think it's important for people to recognize that it is possible, not necessarily easy, but possible to find your bashert and the person that you were meant to be with um, despite health challenges. And so I hope my story inspires others to keep looking and more important for people to make setups and uh, and introduce young men and women who may not have, you know, a clean medical history, but who have so much to offer in their lives to someone else.
0: And we hope you're doing well, meaning health-wise these days. Are you still able to uh, hit the treadmill and uh, and be as aggressive uh, uh, against, the, uh, against the illness as you've always been?
9: Uh, I'm trying. I think this year was a, a difficult one medically. Um, definitely a lot of side effects from the chemotherapy that I'm on. Um, but, you know, one day at a time and keep just keep plugging away. My sister and I did a half marathon a few uh, weeks ago. Wow. That was pretty hard, but we made it to the finish line, which was very meaningful to me. And, you know, I really just try to take it one one day at a time. There are lots of celebrations this year to look forward to, whether it's Sharet's 12th anniversary here in New Jersey. We're celebrating our first anniversary of our office in Florida in May. Um, we're almost finished with a three-year grant from the federal government for young breast cancer survivors. Wow. So there's lots to celebrate.
0: Unbelievable. Uh, you're always an inspiration, to say the least. Everyone, you're encouraged to go to Sharshart.org participate in the 12th anniversary benefit this coming Sunday starting at 10:30 in the morning at the teaneck Marriott make your reservation and uh, keep supporting an organization that's out there with incredible support for so many people in need in our community Rahi continue good luck to you mazel tov and a big mazel tov on the uh, benefit this Sunday I'm sure it'll be your best one ever
9: Oh, thank you so much.
0: We really appreciate your support in every way. Our pleasure. Uh, Rachi Shoritz is founder of Sharsheret. Their big bat mitzvah celebration is this coming Sunday. That's right. She's got a bat mitzvah and a wedding. Uh, the bat mitzvah of Sharsheret is Sunday, ten thirty in the morning at the Tinnac Marriott. Go to sharsheret.org for all the information you need. And um, and um, oh, we wish her again a mazel tov. Of the uh, her wedding, Bezrat Hashem, will be this coming. July, 12 minutes before 8 o'clock on a Tuesday morning, Erev Rosh Chodesh at JM in the AM. In the AM, Jonathan Sheinfeld with Hu off of the CD Kulanu Yachad here at JM in the AM. Seven minutes before uh, 8 o'clock, Erev Rosh Chodesh, E.R. Rosh Chodesh begins tonight. It'll be two days, Wednesday and Thursday. Norpak 1000 day will be a Rosh Chodesh day tomorrow down in Washington, D.C. Today's day 14 in the counting of the Omer. That's two weeks. It's day 14, if you forgot to count last night. Make sure to do so sometime today. Tomorrow we celebrate NorPAC 1000 in Washington. We'll actually be in Washington, D.C. tomorrow, We're doing our show between 6 and 9 a.m. As 1,000 people are heading down to the nation's capital to spend the day lobbying in the halls of Congress, it should be a very interesting morning with uh, a very distinguished guest list that's happening tomorrow in Washington, right here. At JM and the AM, make sure to join us. Anybody who tweets anything having to do with tomorrow's NORPAC mission, if you're on the bus, in a car, if you're heading down, if you're at a meeting, if you're, I don't know, if you're walking the halls of the United States Congress, then uh, whatever you send out to people, make sure to hashtag NORPAC1000, N-O-R-P-A-C-1000. And uh, that'll celebrate and commemorate the fact that they have gotten to 1,000 participants in the annual mission, which is pretty amazing. More about it, of course, tomorrow morning right here at JM and the AM. Oh, one other note you may want to keep in mind as you uh, head down to Washington. The Secretary of State John Kerry has issued an unusual statement expressing his support for Israel after a controversy erupted over a politically charged phrase he used in a private appearance. This is according to the New York Times. Speaking to a closed-door meeting of the Trilateral Commission last week, Kerry said if a Middle East peace agreement was not achieved, Israel risked becoming a, quote, apartheid state. The comments were noted in the Israeli news media and were severely criticized by some American Jewish organizations. APAC said any suggestion that Israel is or is at risk of becoming An apartheid state is offensive and inappropriate. Israel is the lone stable democracy in the Middle East, protects the rights of minorities regardless of of ethnicity or religion. Republican lawmakers were critical. Senator Marco Rubio, a Florida Republican, said Kerry's comments were outrageous and disappointing. During his push for a comprehensive peace agreement, Kerry has repeatedly warned that Israel could face economic pressure from European nations as well as Palestinian violence and a demographic time bomb at home, meaning Jews could become a minority in Israel and the territories they control, if Israel did not negotiate an agreement that led to an independent Palestinian state. His recent comments came at a particularly sensitive moment with the peace talks put off after Israel's decision to suspend negotiations because of the PLO's announcement of its reconciliation with Hamas, the Islamic militant group that governs Gaza. In the statement that Kerry issued Monday, which bore the title on support for Israel, he said he had been a staunch supporter of Israel during his years as a senator and had spent many hours since working with Prime Minister Netanyahu and other Israeli officials. For more than 30 years in the Senate, I didn't just speak words in support of Israel. I walked the walk when it came time to vote and when it came time to fight. Kerry added that he did not believe that Israel was an apartheid state or intended to become one. He did not dispute he had used the phrase but said it had led to a misimpression about his views if I could rewind the tape I would have chosen a different word to describe my firm belief that the only way in the long term to have a Jewish state and two nations and two peoples living side by side in peace and security is through a two state solution in the long term a, unity, a unitary binational state cannot be a democratic Jewish state that Israel deserves or the prosperous state with full rights that the Palestinian people deserve that is a quote from uh, Secretary of State Kerry. So that is um, that is the latest. Senator Ted Cruz of Texas uh, demanded that Kerry resign after that statement, which was interesting. And, again, that's a piece of news in general to keep in mind if you're one of those folks who's walking the halls of Congress tomorrow. Two minutes before 8 o'clock, we'll close out this hour with plenty more coming up. Keep it right here at JM in the AM.
6: Do bi na mi o
0: JM and the AM, it is America's one and only Jewish moment in the morning radio program heard on listeners sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope, Rockland County at 91.9 on the FM dial, and around the world on the web, it's JM and the O R G. Tomorrow we're in Washington, D.C. NorPAC is our focus as we celebrate NorPAC 1000. Call a kavod to those young and old, youngsters, teenagers. Parents, grandparents who are heading down to Washington to be part of the NORPAC 1000. We'll be there between 6 and 9 a.m. with distinguished guests during those three hours. We'll talk all about NORPAC 1000. If you're tweeting from the event from early in the morning and all through the day, make sure to use the hashtag NORPAC 1000, N-O-R-P-A-C 1000, and uh, we'll know that you're part of the amazing group that has grown so much over the years that now they're in the the four digits, 1,000 people coming down to Washington to spend the day. We spoke to Senator Rand Paul earlier this morning, his proposal to suspend aid to the PA. And whether it's that issue or any of the other important issues that you'll be bringing up, important to uh, U.S. and Israeli policy, uh, call call out to everybody who's going to be there tomorrow morning. We'll be on the air between six and nine a.m. Jam and the Am Shalom Task Force in our studio. Representatives of this amazing organization that is uh out there uh, to continue their incredible work are in our studio. We'll, we'll introduce the panel to you in a moment. On May the fourth, this coming Sunday, on May the fourth, the Shalom Task Force which always answers the call, is calling on you and all of us to participate in their annual brunch this coming Sunday at 10 a.m. at the Sephardic Temple on Branch Boulevard in Cedarhurst, New York. Among the uh, awardees, Aviva and Joseph Hach, Judy Silverman, and a memorial tribute to Rebitz and Pess Epstein. It's all happening this coming Sunday. We'll give you the uh, information, website, etc. coming up. I want to welcome... Alan Singer, who is the Executive Director of Shalom Task Force. Alan, welcome to JM and the AM.
10: Good morning, Nachum. Thank you for having us.
0: A pleasure. I want to welcome Mrs. Esther Williams, who is a board member of Shalom Task Force, and uh, will discuss with us... Uh, women's education regarding this important topic. Good morning to you. Good morning. And Mr. Mayor Riesel, who's the director of men's education for Shalom Task Force. Good morning to you.
4: Good morning. Thanks for hosting us.
0: Uh, a pleasure. Alan, kick it off for us. Shalom Task Force has a big event this coming Sunday. P- please tell this audience what type of organization Shalom Task Force is.
10: Thanks again, Nahum, and thanks again for having us on for pleasure. our a show with you. Shalom Task Force was founded in 1993. When a local physician approached our president and founder, Mrs. Nehama Wolfson, with the startling revelation that he was seeing bruised and injured women in his practice, the signs of domestic abuse. Determined to act instead of ignore the problem, a small group of dedicated women created Shalom Task Force with Hashem's help and became pioneers in bringing to light the hidden reality that Orthodox Jewish women are victims of domestic violence. At least one in four Orthodox women will be a victim of domestic violence in her lifetime, including physical, verbal, financial, and sexual abuse. Orthodox victims commonly stay in abusive marriages five to seven years longer than the secular norm due to the concern regarding Shaduchim of her children. Our anonymous domestic violence hotline, which is our first department that we created, receives over 1,000 calls each year. More than 70% of the victims have children living with them, and 43% of those who call have four or more children living at home. Victims of abuse who call the hotline are likely to be poor and will face a greater threat of poverty if they attempt to escape their abuser. Our trained volunteers have answered over 17,000 calls since 1995. Our volunteers speak Russian, Yiddish, Hebrew, Spanish, Hungarian. Keep the hotline open day and night, six days a week, year-round. Once a victim makes the call, trained advocates offer non-judgmental support, compassion, validation, and information as needed to ease the trauma experienced by the caller. The first step is creating an atmosphere that allows the caller to feel safe and empowers her to tell her story. The second department that we created is legal services. Due to increasing demand, we opened Sarah's Voice, a free legal program for victims. Since January 2010, over 400 survivors of domestic violence, sexual assault, and stalking have come to Sarah's Voice for legal advice and representation. The Sarah's Voice legal team helps clients obtain services to allow them to escape abusive relationships and secure the needed benefits and financial support to allow them to live independently from their abuser. We then asked, what if we inject ourselves into the process earlier? If we launch an initiative aimed at prevention... Will we make a difference? And yes, we will. And we help break the cycle of abuse by offering educational programs to teens, young men, and women in colleges, yeshivas, and seminaries. We created two education departments here with me today. As you pointed out, Nacham, are Mr. Mayor Rizel, who's the director of the Men's Education Division, and Mrs. Esther Williams, who is a presenter for our Women's Education Department, as well as being a founding board member. Shalom Task Force. We speak to young women in the 12th grade, 1,000 per year, discuss dating, healthy relationships, the red flags of domestic violence, and conflict resolution. We do the same for young men, about 500 per year in high school programs and base medrash programs. We bring our educational program to Israel during a young woman's year in seminary. 900 students each year attend our presentations in Israel, delivered by 18 English speaking Olim who we trained. But we knew there was still more that we could do in strengthening Shalom bias when the general population's divorce rate is at 50%. We know that the marriage of husband and wife is the foundation of the Jewish family just as families are the foundation of our communities. In our quest for sustaining Shalom bias, we were assisted by President Bush's Healthy Marriage Initiative and Shalom Workshops, our fifth department, was created. Each year, over 450 couples attend Shalom workshops, which are free, and teach participants how to increase understanding and sensitivity to each other's feelings, communicate effectively, build a sense of mutual respect, and promote self-confidence in each other. Research has shown that marriage preparation can function as an immunization that boosts a couple's capacity to handle potential difficulties. Our board and staff remain dedicated to strengthening Jewish family life and have helped tens of thousands of individuals. And that's a brief description of what we've accomplished in our first 20 years.
0: A brief description? That might be the longest answer I've ever gotten to a question, frankly, and I've been at this a long time. I assume all this information is on the web, shalomtaskforce.org, Shalom. Taskforce.org. What was the statistic you said? Seventeen thousand a year. Or
10: Ten 17,000 years since inception. since
0: inception. So, and and you had another statistic. A thousand in there. per year. A thousand per year. So a thousand per year to me to me means many per week. Um, I I have this vision, and I'm speaking now to Esther Williams. Uh, I have this vision that often volunteers for the Shalom Task Force sit at the confidential hotline. And often have nothing to do. The phone is not ringing much. That's an, that's a misimpression, right?
11: Correct. Though um, there are different times when the phone does and does not ring, uh, we have a lot of work that our volunteers do do during the time when right. they are not answering the calls.
0: But it's an active line.
11: It's an active line. There could be a time when three calls come in at the same time. There can be quiet sessions. But when it, that woman who's calling is your sister or your friend or your colleague you want to make sure that there's someone there to answer the phone. And what, what is
0: the strategy? I mean, I would guess that these types of hotlines have been in existence in this country for even longer than the Shalom Task Force. So, is this a duplicate of what other communities or what the general community has done?
11: Excellent question. Uh, our, we started out as a group of women who responded to the to uh, this physician's phone call. We were not interested in reinventing the wheel. Right. We were interested in finding out what was it that these women were not getting That they needed. And what we found was that religious women were hesitant to call a domestic abuse hotline. They were concerned as to whether they would have the information that they would need or understand the sensitivities required. And we realized that what they needed was someone who would say, I hear you, I believe you, how can I help you? That's why we created our hotline.
0: Even though a regular hotline would also hear them and believe them, but they probably wouldn't have. The, uh, either the resources for them or, like you described, the sensitivities. Correct. Understand what the – I mean, Absolutely. <laughs> we know if we bring someone in here, we need someone who knows the community and correct. understands what's going correct. on. Correct.
11: Our resource manual is quite thick. Right. And we've done a lot of work creating our resource manual, and that's one of the things the women do in their downtime right. is helping. We have over 60, 70 volunteers at any one time. And um how
0: often is the hotline open? Is it always open? The
11: hotline open? is open practically full time six days a week except for Shabbos. Yes.
0: And um practically. The Shalom Task Force in our studio, their big event coming up Sunday, we'll talk more about it in a moment. And um every one of these women has to be trained, obviously. Yes. And Astronaut. I want I
11: want to clarify that the women calling in are not necessarily from any particular demographic. We've got every religious, economic cultural spectrum. We've helped women in the Bukharian community, women in the Persian community, women in the Hasidic community, every every spectrum.
0: And you've helped women from families with plenty of money in the bank and others who are dirt poor. It's a
11: misconception to think that you can only be a victim of domestic uh, abuse if you are in a certain cultural or financial situation.
0: Have you ever manned the hotline?
11: Yes, I have, and I can only tell you that because I no longer do. We do this totally confidentially. Otherwise, you would
0: not be able to tell me no. that you even do it.
11: Absolutely not.
0: But you've done it. Yes. And there...
11: I took the first call on the hotline, actually.
0: Interesting. It yes. must have been a nerve-wracking experience for you.
11: Nerve-wracking.
0: Do we know how that woman's doing?
11: Uh, she, uh, no. We, have we don't. No now, that's one of the challenges of a hotline is that you really don't know if you're going to get the feedback. You give the information right. and you don't know what the next step is. I found the most challenging phone calls were not the ones that I could rationalize, no matter how much I was trained, rationalize in my head and say, well, it, this she is a victim because. Right. I found the most difficult call was that girl could have been my daughter.
0: Right. So I'm not trying to be funny here, but, but do you sometimes respond, call the cops? Do you sometimes say, Absolutely. hang up this phone and call the police?
11: Absolutely. Uh, there are times when a woman is calling in a moment. The question is, why did she call today? Many of these women have been in situations for 12 years. We want to know why you're calling now. What happened that made you call now so that we can be. really help you? The Sometimes answer- the answer is, I am in desperate sa- a safety situation. And we have, oh, my
0: life is literally in danger. My life is in
11: danger, right. and ha- we have to guide them with that. Because it's a confidential hotline, if they choose for us to make that phone call, they have to give us that information. Right. We don't have it. Right. But, uh, yeah. So a
0: woman could call and say, the li- my life and the lives of my children are in danger.
11: Absolutely. That, that could also and be a fault. safety plan is a very, very, very critical part of our training, a safety plan for her. But we have to understand that she knows best what's safe for her. Statistically, most women in the general public get hurt when they are choosing to leave, not when they stay. So telling someone mm. you should leave is a very dangerous thing to do. You have to be very careful.
0: Do, I, do any of your current volunteers sometimes turn to you and say, this is, I can't handle this. this yes, it's this very calls. stressful.
11: Yes. No, not, oh, not yes. in me- ha- oh. a specific call. Oh, so that's call. important to know, that all our volunteers are in constant, constant supervision. We have a supervisor who's constantly supervising them, processing each phone call. They can call her any time during the call, and we have ongoing. Even though we have an intensive, intensive training for our supervi- for our volunteers, we have an ongoing training constantly for them.
0: I mean, your hotline people must be from a certain age group. You you can't have a 25-year-old do this, we, can you? We
11: don't. They have to be of a certain age group. They have to be married. They have to have a certain. Uh, maturity we do we we don't even take all the women who we train to be on the hotline it's a serious job
0: i'm, I'm, I'm not and minimizing it committed. at all you right kidding? right are all of them mothers
11: um i or the majority th- i, I would say so i would say so
0: wow
11: i don't i don't know all the volunteers at this no, time I, but I would say that most of them are mature women but we have young women too yeah Um, And it's because of the – what happened was after I was on the hotline for for about – after five years, what women were saying to us was, you know, I wish you'd been here before. I may not have have gotten into this situation. And that's what led us to create our prevention program,
0: which was uh, very much – We're going to get to that in a second. But aside from the the desperate, you know, should I call the cops or not call – you probably get a lot of calls that are at the very beginning of the process. The
11: call could be for you know, a young my woman, husband
0: hit me for the first time.
11: A young woman that last night was the third, uh, last night was the third night of Shevirahus and he called me a name, to last night was a last night of my child, last child's Shevirahus and I want out. And everything you could possibly think of in between including men, including children. Calling.
0: Wow. Um, I guess there's no reason not to uh, advertise the hotline number, right?
11: No, absolutely. We
0: should tell people. Absolutely. Yes. The domestic violence hotline number for Shalom Task Force is 718-337-3700. 718-337-3700. And before we talk about the the preventative measures and some of the other programs that you've introduced, Alan, the event is Sunday, and you want to Correct. see a tremendous show of support from the community, if people are as uh, mesmerized by this conversation as I am, then they should write a check and come on out and enjoy a nice brunch on sunday
10: absolutely they
0: 'll be inspired
10: absolutely we hope it 'll be inspiring with a short amount of speeches and a lovely morning that talks about a very meaningful cause
0: and the organization, as you pointed out, is already in existence for twenty two years. This is not a start up or a fly by night this is a an organization that is uh, that is well entrenched, thank God, in our community. All right, we mentioned and we mentioned legal services. So this is this is what, you you hand that off as a volunteer again in your role. You hand that off to somebody who is expert in the area?
11: What had happened was that we are really responsive. We're not looking to reinvent the wheel that and like you said that right. any other organization is doing. One of the things that we found being on the hotline was what were the resources that we couldn't give these women? What was missing in the big picture? Right. And one of the things we found that was seriously missing was legal services for women in need. Very often their husbands would have a very barracuda lawyer, and they were desperate for information, for guidance, for advocacy, and for legal services. And we were very lucky to be able to create Sarah's voice. We are able to refer our women to very capable attorney and assistants and and paralegals who are able to take them through the system.
10: Mm -hmm. Small point, Nahum, since you gave out the hotline number, thank you for doing that. There's complete anonymity. There's no caller ID on that hotline number. All of the conversations start with: will you, will you give me a name to use during our conversation? Doesn't have to be the person's real name. So even, when they emerge right. out of that process, though, and need legal services, obviously. Right, then obviously they have no choice. I mean, so even if you know
0: that you have to send the cops to their house, you can't. You don't know who Unless they are. Unless
11: she chooses to. It's a very. It's a mis- it's, I may think I know. Right. I don't know. Because she knows. She knows when he changes his breath. I don't know what's safe for her. She knows. If she doesn't say she's safe, I can't make that decision for her. Do
0: you think people have lied to you on the hotline?
11: I think people um, take a long time to. To trust us, I think the, my experience has been in most cases the reverse is true. They'll make a phone call, they'll tell you a little bit of what's going right. on, and the second phone call, you'll get a little more. By the fourth phone call, you find out that this situation is horrific. She wasn't able to tell you that on right. the first phone call. She didn't know if she could trust you.
0: Yeah, but my question is is an abusee ever calling your hotline and just lying about yes. being abused? That has happened.
11: Uh, I would imagine, this is what I tell people when they ask me for statistics, et cetera. I say, if you take the thousands of phone calls (laughs) and you tell me 25% were second phone calls or false or not so bad, whatever, we're still left with quite a big number. Oh, I'm not
0: questioning that. And
11: if, and if, if I tell people, say, how many are there, I say, I don't know. But I do know that you have at least one person in your life that you may not be aware of who's a friend a colleague a relative a neighbor who has a situation
0: from any neighborhood any Anywhere, background, absolutely as and, I, and
11: it's and it's at it's, the most
0: prominent synagogues it,
11: it's, it's irresponsible of us to try to, to try to rationalize for ourselves here but for the grace of god go i that it's um it's only this person it's right. only a balchuva it's right. only a, a someone whose father was an abuser it's only whatever it's not true Right understood. and our, our fortunately, our history has proven that
0: you must get a lot of reaction uh, from people on the hotline uh, who simply can 't believe that you're familiar with their way of life, whether it be hasidic or or Absolutely. very modern or or geographically you know way Absolutely. out there somewhere and that,
11: and that's a serious part of our training that when you answer the phone whether you, whoever you're talking to, you have to be where they are
0: right. and to
11: understand that when a Hasidic woman says um my husband wants to do X, Y, and Z. It may culturally be fine in another world, but you have to understand where she's coming from and what she's trying to tell you.
0: Right.
11: So these uh,
0: these women on the hotline, I'm talking about now the ones accepting the calls, are real heroes. I mean, they are changing families on a regular basis.
11: Absolutely. And the hardest part is sitting there waiting for the call sometimes.
0: Right. and then. But yeah, when that phone rings, and though, also the that har- must also be... That's
11: hard, but and then you hang up and you don't know what happened is also difficult. And that's one of the challenges of confidential hotline, is not getting the feedback to know that what you did worked.
0: And then you're sitting up all night, did I do the right thing? Exactly. Boy. Uh, All right, now we'll speak to both Mrs. Esther Williams and Mr. Mayor Riesel about education in the community. We'll start with the women. Uh, so what, so th- this gets instituted Now you say to yourself or your board or your organization or your founder All say to themselves, okay, we've got we to gotta stem the tide We've got to nip this in the bud We've got to do something where at a young age A young lady is aware of what's out there
11: So what is happening? What happened to this woman that allowed allowed her to be in such a horrific situation? Right. What did she did not know? What did society not protect her from? That was our question. Right. And we put together a comprehensive workshop for young women about trusting your gut, what to do with that information when it happens as opposed to rationalizing it. We There are millions of reasons why people ignore that feeling, but what should you be doing with it? How to what have stage
0: ha- are we talking about now? When they've met a guy, when they're engaged well, to a guy, well, when they're married I don't to a
11: guy? At okay, uh, well, any point in the relationship when something says, right. uh-oh, You don't rationalize it because your two best friends just got engaged. Don't rationalize it because you're 10 pounds overweight. Don't rationalize it because your parents are divorced. Stop and say, what's going on here, and am I safe? And sometimes you are. How do you learn the skills, and who do you go to with this information? Conflict resolution, healthy communication, what it means to be safe. That's what we want to teach these young women.
0: Wow. Uh, And the way to do that is to literally get them when they're teenagers.
11: Well, we start with 12th grade. Some schools, depending on the culture of the school earlier. But we found afterwards that it's not the best time. The best time is really right before they start dating. Mm. So we have a wonderful program for 10th graders, 10th to 12th graders, but we have an even more wonderful program which is not the same for young women coming back from seminary from Israel who really are going to be starting to date, right. or young women in universities, in colleges, in seminaries in America
0: right. who
11: are really ready to start dating.
0: Do you sometimes think that you're really giving them ultra-suspicion about men? Okay, so that's, that's,
11: that's an interesting thing because people always say you're scaring them. Yeah, exactly. If it's- I showed you, the, we do give them evaluations to fill out. And if I show you the majority of evaluations what are just the opposite, I now feel relaxed. Their reality is frightening. They don't want to be single. They don't want to be divorced. They don't want to in an abusive relationship. I'm empowering them to be safe. And the evaluations show us that this is what they're feeling when they finish the workshop.
0: Right. Just the
11: opposite of what you're worried about. All
0: right. Mayor Rizel is here. There's a men's education angle to all of this as well. Good morning, sir. Good morning. How are you? Uh, and are the men also learning this as teenagers or a little older? When do you step into this whole process? We actually
4: start at, on the ninth grade level. Really? Although the primary focus is on the 12th grade when it right. relates to the high school boys. I will note, though, I was brought on board just over seven years ago. Right. The, fo- the primary focus of the men's program is not... Geared toward domestic abuse per se. It's about healthy relationships in general, and domestic abuse is something that sometimes happens within right. relationships. So I will not walk into a classroom and say to the young men, Guys, I'm here today to tell you not to be an abuser, nor am I there to tell them don't get abused. But we're there to talk about their lives in general. Certainly when we're talking to younger men, they're not thinking about marriage. Right. They're not thinking about being abusive or not. That's not their focus, and much of the really the aim of our program is to help guys talk among themselves what their relationships in their current life are like and how can they enhance those with an eye toward the future later on but when it comes to the abuse piece specifically i'll walk into a 12th grade classroom sometimes of young men let's say there's 25 35 guys in the room i'll say by raise of hands who here intends and plans on being an abuser when they grow up I would assume nobody raises their hands. Hands do not go up. (laughs) And we kind of use that as a springboard to discuss, but yet if we were to now take the answers that were demonstrated here in the room and then perhaps to reflect on the statistic that Dr. Singer related before, talking about in in the population at large, abuse happens. How do people get there? What can they do now when they're younger? to kind of prevent that from happening? How can they enhance their current status?
0: I I could imagine, and maybe I'm just going back to, you know, when I was in school, but I can imagine when someone like yourself or other outside educators walk in to discuss topics like this with high schoolers, with male high schoolers, they likely don't take it too seriously. How has the reception been? I appreciate you bringing up the point. That
4: (laughs) has been um, a... Aside from the content of the program, but a major focus of what we've had to do.
0: I mean, can I've, they talk about it seriously or not? In time. It and I kind time. of have
4: to, to present it in a different way. I'll often joke with them, saying to this group of young men, certainly at this t- this time of year, from March to June, is one of the, uh, the hot seasons for me. As far as doing lots of programming, I'll walk into a classroom and I'll say to the guys... You know, when I was in high school way back when, if some random person would walk into my room right now, essentially as a substitute teacher or as a guest teacher, and start talking about relationships and anger and conflict, that guy would have a real hard time. Of course. So I kind of offer... I offer this to them. I say, here's the challenge. Right. It's on me to demonstrate to you why you should care about a word that I have to say.
0: And, and as these sessions go on, you see them taking it more and more right. seriously. So as
4: they see that it's real life and it's not about my preaching from the front of the classroom. Right. And it's not about lecturing to them and putting them down and talking about how men are evil or, you know, the, as that might relate to the point before, how right. the, the perspective of, of guys and relationships can be tainted. This is real life. This
0: do is real life. you learn a lot, of, and I'm sorry for interrupting, do you learn a lot about the marriages and pa- parental relationship that these kids come from by discussing relationships with them? Like, is there a diverse response in the way they look at male female relationships because they come from, I would guess, you know, everybody comes from a different type of home or a different. Right. Uh, That's an set important of
4: point that speaks to their attitudes and their expectations.
0: Right. Their role yeah. models, right. Right?
4: right? Their role models, what they anticipate marriage. Being about
0: is it the like you sometimes say to yourself, boy, this kid must come from mm-hmm. great parents. And,
4: I, and as a therapist, I also I try to. When I'm in the classroom, I'm staying in the in the role of a Shalom Task Force presenter right. during this program. But I do sometimes wonder. At the same time, this is why we're doing it when they're younger, because we are able to reestablish perspectives. We are re- able to kind of challenge some of those thoughts and some of those beliefs for the young man who might think, when I get married, it's the ball and chain. My life is over. And again, that's a small minority of of the young men. This allows for them to shift and to see things from a different angle.
0: Mayor Rizel, among our guests, Director of Men's Education for the Shalom Task Force. Um, How do people get these programs started in their school? Like, how do they contact you or set this up or... You know, bring you in. I mean, I'm sure the people listening right now want to bring you in to speak to their kids. They can check
4: out our website, shalomtaskforce.org. It's all can there. Call our office,
0: 212-742-1478. And that's it. You know, Set it up. Simple as that. You're a professional therapist? Yeah. So you can give a word to our audience about the value of uh, couples therapy, children, possibly at times seeing therapists when there's a, a different situations at home, uh in general, the benefits of all this. Right. I know a lot of people in our community are scared of it, but I would bet you only have positive things to say about it. All
4: right, so when we look at it from the sense, and this is a good kind of segue to talk about Sholem Workshop, which right. is our our couples program. When we talk about it as the driver's ed mm. of, of marriage and of
0: coupleshood. And, and just like you can't drive without that driver's exactly. ed.
4: <laughs> and someone might come to me and say, but but my kid, they're good kids, and right. this sort of thing. Akin to driver Z, someone might have great reflexes, wonderful response time. Yet at the same time, they will ultimately benefit. They might not need it as badly as the guy who has two left hands or two right hands. Um, But the more hours, the more time, the more preparation. This is for everybody. This is not pathological. This is not something that, that speaks to their lack of capacity or ability, nor to their parents' ability or anything like that.
0: These are tools. All
10: right. Excellent.
0: Uh, there are men's education programs, women's education programs uh, that go from teenage years till when? I mean, uh, till dating we age. We also
11: have uh, programs for mothers who oh, have daughters who so are So it training. goes way beyond that. Yes, we have programs for college teachers. We have programs for community community outreach. We have programs for the Bukharian community and the Persian community, cultural programs. We have programs for um, for Rabbanim in training and... Um,
0: it's across the board
11: And educators.
0: Uh, Everyone's encouraged to be there this coming Sunday. A Shalom Task Force asks for your your support at their uh, big brunch coming up at the Sephardic Temple in Cedarhurst. Uh, It happens this coming Sunday beginning at uh, at 10 a.m. Information, uh, what's the best way? to get information about this
10: website, shalomtaskforce.org, or the main number, 212-742-1478.
0: Go to shalomtaskforce.org or 212-742-1478. Mazal tov to all the honorees. I'm sure you've chosen worthy people to be recognized this coming Sunday, right? Absolutely.
11: Absolutely. Our our honorees are uh, have all been extremely involved in our organization. Aviva Haq is our a uh, board member, and H- she and her husband are... Amazing people. Judy Silverman is one of our strongest presenters. And Pessa Epstein, Shalom was one of our founders and a really influential, uh, was one of the greatest influences on our organization.
0: Unbelievable. You're doing incredible work. Domestic Violence Hotline, if anybody out there needs it, whether it's uh, for immediate help, for legal services, to find out how you can uh, uh, stop the uh, type of situation you're in, Uh, 718-337-3700. That is the Domestic Violence Confidential Hotline at 718-337-3700. Shalom Task Force information, information about this coming Sunday's event uh, where everyone's encouraged to uh, come, have a good time, and support the amazing work of Shalom Task Force is either shalomtaskforce.org or 212-742-1478, 212-742-1478. Anything to add, panel?
10: Yes, Doctor? I I, uh, I just wanted to add a couple of statistics when you were talking. Sure. Um, I have therapy experience as well many years, and I just wanted to point out that two-thirds of divorcing couples don't even get one hour of counseling. And two-thirds. That's our community or in general? That's a general statistic. Wow. Yeah, we, have, we don't have a lot of accurate right. research on our community, but, it's probably but we're working on that research. Right. Uh, and the other statistic is that two-thirds of divorcing couples come from low-conflict marriages, not the high-conflict abusive marriages that we're talking about here that really should end, but two-thirds of divorcing couples, they don't seek therapy, and the marriage kind of fizzles out, or when the romance and the Hollywood vision of marriage fizzles, then the marriage f- tends to fall apart. Two-thirds of them are from non-abusive types of relations, low-conflict marriage. So that's important. And I uh, actually brought a couple of exercises. I thought you'd be curious. What do we do in some of the, in s- in some of the workshops? Here's, here's an example. This is important in communication. You talk versus I talk.
0: <laughs> and, this is, and this starts the
10: process in terms of understanding the relationship that two married people are having. Absolutely. Instead of saying, you shouldn't have done that, you're wrong, you never call my mother. There are
0: other ways of saying those things. Exactly. I would be grateful if you'd call my mother. Instead of saying you're wrong, you say, I disagree. Instead of saying you're always late, you say, I worry when you're late.
11: I'll tell you, my own children have taken the workshop, <laughs> and they are thankfully very happily married. But they tell me that even after all these years, they still go back and refer to some of the skills and tools. That well, they I had.
0: remember, I remember a lecture given by Rabbi Krohn on this very topic of changing one's language and relationships. The difference it makes is unbelievable. unbelievable. People when don't realize
11: when you say you you're cornering somebody, exactly right.
0: And when you uh, put a different spin on it, you can make them feel so good in a in a you know quote-unquote negative situation. Right. It still and when sense. I talk
11: about myself and my feelings, it's not a, there's no argument. It's right. a discussion.
0: Unbelievable. Right. Mayor no.
10: has given dozens of workshops.
0: It's the same thing for the men, right? So I'll for just everyone. say a,
4: a version of that that I've used yeah. very often with the young men is I'll ask the group, have any of you ever been in a situation in which one person said to another, probably yelled it, what's wrong with you? Right. And then I ask them, has there ever been a response <laughs> to that question by someone saying, what is wrong with me?
5: <laughs>
4: Thank you so much for this wonderful opportunity. For, for true this. introspection, I've been plagued by that very question for some time now. What in the world is wrong with me? And at that point, they're cracking up, and they realize this is real life because they know that people will say what's wrong with you.
0: All right.
4: And so from there, we kind of bridge that to, so what might we say differently?
0: All right. Unbelievable. Uh, you wanted to wrap up with a story, Alan?
10: You got a few minutes? Uh, We've got a minute. Go ahead. We're both fans of Reb Shlomo. Oh, yeah. The Baal Shem Tov was sitting in his office, and he heard a commotion outside the office. He stood up. He went outside, and he saw his gabai was in the middle of an argument with a gentleman, and he said, what's going on here? And the gabai says, oh, I'm sorry to bother the Rebbe, but this man claims that he was once the richest man in our town. And now he's dissatisfied with the amount of tzedakah that we're giving out. I'm giving out what we give to everybody each morning, which is two kopecks. And he's saying, no, I want five rubles. So Baal Shem Tov turns to the man and he says, instead of arguing with my gabai, why aren't you asking me, why did I become poor? So as Reb Shlomo would say, this is where our story begins. So he says, come into my office, sit down. He says, do you remember a few Yom Kippur's ago what happened? And the poor man says, no, I have no idea. He says, remember what you used to do that everyone appreciated on Yom Kippur? He said, yes, I used to buy a large pouch of tabak, of sniffing tobacco, snuff, that I would walk around with. At the end of the day on Yom Kippur, everybody's tired, everybody's hungry, and I would give some of this imported tabak to everybody. And the Baal Shem Dov said, but then what happened? He says, I don't recall it all. Rebbe, please tell me, he says the poorest man in the town was sitting in the last row of the synagogue. He had so little money that he didn't even eat the day before Yom Kippur. But one thing he knew he could count on is that you were going to come around with some snuff tobacco, and it would rejuvenate his soul a little bit. And what did you do? And he said to himself, oh, Rebbe, I regret it so much. He said, you're right. I turned around and I went the other way. It was beneath me to help that poor man in the last row. And the Baal Shem said, at that moment it was decreed in heaven, all of your wealth should go over to him. So the poor man said, "Reb, is there anything I can do? Is, I'm, i we're starving, my family, myself. Is there any?" So the Baal Shem said, "Look, why don't you go approach the man who's now the richest man in the town, and see if when you ask him for something, see what his reaction will be." So he says, "Okay." Starts on his journey. The next morning, the man is in synagogue, about to put on tefillin, about to make the bracha, and he runs over to him and he says, "Give me snuff tabek." And the rich man says, well, if you're asking me, then I want to help you. So here. Next day, he comes to him as he's about to step back and say the amida, the silent prayer in the synagogue, give me stuff topic. So the man stops, he reaches into his pocket, and he says, if you're asking me, then I'll help you. He's, he's giving up hope, but he sees a sign that says, and in former good days, there would be a sign that would say, the daughter of so-and-so is marrying the son of so-and-so. Everyone is invited. The whole town is invited to the wedding. And he realizes this is the daughter of the rich man. That will be my opportunity to ask him for something and he'll refuse me. So he approaches the rich man as they're about to walk the chassan to the Badekin. Give me snuff topic. He jumps in front of the rich man as he's about to walk down the aisle to the chuppah. Give me snuff topic. Each time he asks this man, he's ready to help him. Then he knows that the highlight of the wedding, and Rib Shlomo would always insert that Hashem should answer all of the tefillos of parents who are praying for children and individuals to find their mate. And at the high point of the wedding, the, the father and the bride would get up on a table and dance. He ascends to the table to dance with his daughter at his wedding. The, the poor man grabs onto the leg of the rich man and he says, Give me stuff topic right at that moment, the high point of the wedding. The rich man turns around and he says, if you're asking me if you need, then I want to help you. The man passes out cold on the floor. Absolute knocked out. They revive him. They lift him up. The rich man comes down off the table and he says to him, he says, what happened, my friend? What happened? So he says, he says, why? He says, if the he tells him the whole story. He says, if the balechem tov says that I have your money, he says I will give it half of it back to you on the following agreement: that whenever anybody asks you for help, whenever anyone needs something, that you will always say yes and you will always respond. At Shalom Task Force, each day we stand ready to answer the call and assist with Shalom Bias in any way we can. This past Shabbos we read, Ve'er Haftel Kamocha and Parsis Kadoshim, And we hope and pray that you, Nachum, and all of the families who are in your listening audience have Shalom Bias. If you do, won't you please help us bring that to other Jewish families? It's certainly
0: a good cause, that's for sure, as we've learned this morning. Shalom Task Force. This Sunday at 10 a.m., their annual brunch at the Sephardic Temple in Cedarhurst. Everybody be there. Call 212-742-1478, 212 212- Seven four two one four seven eight. if you're in need of their domestic violence hotline it's a confidential one 718-337-3700 my thanks to dr alan singer mrs esther williams and mayor rizel for joining us this morning at jm the AM. i thank the entire panel 20 minutes before nine o'clock this is a tuesday morning broadcast at jm in the a.m
5: Cause I'll be a man I'll be your sleeping
0: Jacob Shweki, Osim Chuva. Diaspora before that with Lule Hamanti. It's Tuesday on this Erevrosh Chodesh. Tomorrow we spend our day in uh, Washington, D.C. We broadcast JM and the AM from uh, the nation's capital in celebration of Norpac 1000. 1,000 people from this area heading down to the nation's capital to spend a day lobbying in Washington in the halls of Congress. Could you imagine? Join us between 6 and 9 tomorrow morning at J.M. and the A.M. We'll be live in D.C. And uh, don't forget, if you're tweeting tomorrow from anywhere, from the bus down, uh, from the big meetings, uh, from the halls of Congress, make sure to use the hashtag NORPAC1000. NORPAC1000. And uh, we'll be able to see your tweets and... All that stuff. Erev or Chodesh, JM and AM, or will be Wednesday and Thursday. Today's day 14 in the counting of the Omer, day number 14. If you forgot to count uh, last night, make sure to do so sometime today. I want to thank Senator Rand Paul, who joined us earlier on the topic of suspending aid to the uh, PA. I thank the Senator for being with us earlier. Wishing good luck to our friends at uh, Shalom Task Force and their event this coming Sunday. Appreciate them joining us here at JM in the AM. Yehuda Green is next at JM in the AM. The Huda Green, the Maccabees, brand new from One Day More, wrap up a uh, Tuesday at JM in the AM. Brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope. Rockland County at ninety one point nine on the FM dial and around the world on the web, jm.org. And that wraps up a uh, Tuesday morning edition of JM. In the a.m. tomorrow morning we are live from NORPAC 1000 between 6 and 9 a.m. Celebrating 1,000 strong coming down to Washington to lobby on behalf of policies favorable to the United States and Israel. That's all happening tomorrow morning. Make sure to join us if you are tweeting from the bus, from the train, from the meetings down there. Make sure to use the hashtag Norpack one thousand. Have a fabulous Tuesday. Speak to you tomorrow from Washington. Until then i reminding you remember to pass, live the present, and trust the future.